Phil, listen, thank you. I was just saying thanks. Thanks for agreeing to doing the, doing this podcast. Um, I think you got back to me really quickly. So actually. welcome. It's an honor. <laughs> it's my honor. <laughs> thank you so much. But um, yeah, I really wanted you on on because, you know, you've got a really interesting story. You're You're quite unwell before. And you managed to turn things around. And I love those stories. I love hearing about people turning things around. Because I was one of those people. But I, people know my story, so I don't really care about that. Let's not talk about that. Tell me about your story, buddy. Cool, I will. I mean, before, before I start, I just wanted to say, you know, I've been, I've been getting into your podcast, really enjoying it. <laughs> uh, Anthony's been on. He's a friend of mine. Anthony Chafee, right? Yeah. yeah He's been on, yeah. been on my show. I've been on his. But but I, I wanted to congratulate you on on, on getting um, um, Natasha Campbell McBride to talk about all the um, all the stuff going on in the world now because I've not heard her talking about that before and I, I mean she was a hero of mine ten years ago she really helped me out her along with Jack Cruz who I did get to know and he did the foreword to my book and he's a good friend I'm hoping to have dinner with him next next week actually a couple of weeks maybe in London but uh, yeah great stuff yeah. So Natasha, uh, Jack, Camp- Jack's cool. he, he, yeah, Jack's he, he cool. He, he really helped out in the early days. You know, about ten years ago, I think he did a forward to my book. But uh, I discovered his website, and it blew me away. <laughs> right. So he was on my podcast, and he blew me away. It was one of the few times where I was just sitting there thinking, "What the frack is this guy talking about? It sounds amazing, but I have no idea what he's talking. <laughs> he's he's just a genius." Because I'm gonna put you. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. I'm sorry. So I live just outside London. Go. Can I come and can I come and meet you guys? Yeah, yeah. If yeah, if I go down, yeah, why not? Yeah, let's message. That'd be great. That'd be great fun. Yeah, he's <laughs> hilarious in person. Um, he's yeah. he brought he brought a, a friend of his over who's who's wonderful, um, Jeremy Tomley who's got an amazing story with cystic fibrosis, one of the loveliest guys I've ever met. And he was up on the roof, Jack, and, uh, you know, we were a few bottles of wine down, and he was standing there holding forth to a load of sort of tottering secretaries about, you know, light and magnetism and whatever. And yeah. they were lapping it up because he's so sort of magnetic, you know, himself. And uh, Jeremy just turned to me and he said, Jack, he said, he's, he's just a tidal wave in a kiddie pool. <laughs> I thought that's spot on. <laughs> Hundred percent. So when when um, I was doing the podcast with him, and I turned on the camera, and I saw this guy sitting there topless, I was like, "Whoa! Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is the way you roll. It's very cool." But you're right. He even across you know the airwaves, he projects this magnetism, and you know he's got amazing charisma and personality. Yeah, I'd love to meet you guys, both of you. Seriously. So anyway, let's. Oh, I want to talk about Natasha yeah, Campbell McBride. Yeah, let me let me tell you about Natasha Campbell McBride. Yeah. She's a, she's amazing, dude. She invited me to her farm, and my family. She just said, "Like, come oh, over." No. I was like, "Really? There's like, I've got three kids. Where are we gonna go?" She was like, "Oh, I've got a little trailer. You can stay in the trailer." So we went down, and it was epic. And and when we arrived, she goes, "Come, come, come, follow me, follow me, follow me." And we, we walked down this dirt path, and and it's a little lake. And there's a chair with some couple of towels. And she goes, go for a swim. It's a hot day. Go for a swim. And we're like, wait, we don't have any swim costumes. She goes, mm, it doesn't matter. I'm in the farmhouse. Come when you're done. 
<laughs> we all went skinny dipping. <laughs> She's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Cool. I'd, I'd, I'd love to meet her one day. Reciprocate on the Jack thing and get her contact and get her on my podcast too because I'd love to chat to her. Mate. But yeah, anyway, let's um, do it. Yeah, my, my story. My story. Um, well, it's it's funny actually because I've become known as this sort of UK carnivore guy. I've been carnivore for eight years now, eight and a half years, and um, it's it's odd with my background because my background is more in sort of Eastern spirituality, meditation, and I was a bit of a yogi for thirty odd years and vegetarian and vegan, and I wrote books on plant based eating and all of that, and now here I am as a carnivore. Well. I, I, I ignored a lot of the whispers, you know, in the sort of second and third um, decade of plant-based eating. And then in 2010, I was completely trashed and uh, had proper full-on psoriatic arthritis and couldn't move and uh, was stuck on the sofa. And I thought, right, the thing to do is to go even more vegetarian. So I'll go vegan. That was awful. Mm. So I went mm. raw vegan. And then I went fruitarian and then, you know, juicing up all the spinach as well and uh, all that sort of thing. Ended up with kidney stones on top of the arthritis. Didn't get rid of the inflammation at all. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a horrible time. But then through Natasha and other people, I realized that humans have always eaten meat. And that's what they do, you know, in any latitude between 90 and 100 percent meat. And so I sort of, uh, I went keto. And then, you know, about two or three years later, I realized that I just felt better on the days when um, when I didn't cook any veg and I couldn't be bothered to cook it or it had rotted down in the compost drawer in the fridge and there wasn't any to eat, you know. And, uh, and, and so I discovered there were other people doing this lunatic thing of eating our proper ancestral human diet. And, um, yeah, it was, it was absolutely brilliant. Um, and, and no problems whatsoever. And back on the drums, you know, I'm, um, at the moment touring with the Daz band of the, we are the 99%. You can shove your poison vaccines up your ass fame and all of that. <laughs> and so we, we, we're, tour, we're touring that at the moment and, uh, yeah, I'm 61 and, you know, one of the members of the band is half my age and I keep up with energy and I'm, I'm fine. But, uh, yeah, there were some horrible years there as I had to throw out everything I thought I knew and everything from the mainstream, of course, because um, I don't know a rheumatologist that has, uh, that has fixed any sort of arthritic condition. And yet I'm a drummer and I've seen loads of people fix their arthritic conditions. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's been a, a real wake-up call. And what's been absolutely lovely over the past few years is uh, consulting with people, you know, and I have a big 20,000 Facebook group, Carnivore Facebook group, and consulting with people one-to-one and helping them out with what we do now with my, my mm. colleague Ben Hunt in the Big Fat Challenge. And just the healing that we see, it's, it's, it's just beautiful to get these, uh, these messages of healing. And mm. I go, well, you know, it's not me. I'm just relaying what, what our ancestors ate and, and all the Jack Cruz stuff as well, because, you know, I, I think that uh, that that really helps. I mean, my hero really is another good friend of mine who you should get on, Zofia Clements from Paleo Medicina in Hungary. I mean, their results with autoimmunity, cancer, all sorts, are, are, are absolutely incredible. And um, it's a very, very high fat, fully carnivore diet. And, you know, I do I do um, 
see that that when people get onto a PKD diet, like me, for example, I'm really sensitive. I can't even eat eggs, chicken, pork, or dairy. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, to stay on their PKD diet, lamb and beef. I mean, I got in some trouble last winter. I got really sick again. But I got out of it in three months or so when it took me about three years to get out before. But I was traveling again around the festivals and doing a lot of playing, a lot of touring. And it's a lot easier to find pork, chicken, dairy and eggs and whatever. And so I ate too much of them. And it, it, mm. that, even that nailed me. For me, mm. for me it's got to be lamb, beef, 100%. And, and the difference is night and day. Every time anybody consults with me on uh, the carnivore diet, um, it's, and they say they're having problems, it's always pork, chicken, eggs or dairy or a combination of them and it's amazing isn't it really i mean once once we're kind of as broken as i was you you have to stay pretty strict i mean you know it wasn't immediate it lasted a whole summer that i could uh, take that stuff and i never ate a plant i don't suppose i'll ever eat one again but um the 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 just just the the things which would cure anybody you know who had diabetes or whatever the low hanging fruit that's that's nice and easy but, uh, yeah, it got me in trouble. So I did a, a podcast with Anthony to sort of go deep into what happened to me in the winter because I like that full disclosure. You know, if I mess up, I'm happy to tell people and pass that on. But I learned a whole lot again during the winter. I'm, I'm a lazy sod. I tend, to, I tend to learn when I absolutely have to, you know. Man, I'm the same. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm a last-minute procrastinator. I mean, in some respects, I think I'm a bit harsh. You know, I actually do get quite a lot done. I look after three kids 60% of the time. I have to wake up, get them, get their teeth brushed, wipe their bottoms, <laughs> you know, get them dressed, make their back lunch, make their breakfast, drop them off at school, um, go to clinic when I, when I used to be able to go to clinic, um, do podcasts. But then I am also the kind of person who just, you know, when I've got a, something weighing my head that I don't want to do, I just leave it. I leave, I keep getting reminders. My secretary keeps telling me, oh, you haven't done this. And yeah, I'm lazy in that respect. I don't, I'm not very good at managing. But what you're saying, you know, about your diet, carnivore diet, I think it's really interesting because, yeah, what is a carnivore diet? And you've just explained, like, you know, for you, it's lamb and beef. And I wonder, like, is it even, is it like, I, I suspect you go for pasture fed because I think even that makes a difference, don't you think? compared to just supermarket stuff that you get? Yeah, yeah, I think so. But in, in, in the UK, we're pretty lucky. I mean, most of the, most of the cows and sheep are grass-fed. But um, I, I see healing on whatever people can afford. Now, I'd love it if everything was grass-fed. I think that that's how the animals should be treated. They should be back on the land. You know, I think carnivores are the most vegan people out there. Because they want they want the animals properly cared for and not in cafes yeah. and pushed off the land by the by the vegan crops, you know. So you know, and all the animals that get killed for veganism. But um, I do see people healing very well on just regular meat, um, even in the states. I mean, I've seen people healing on McDonald's burger patties and stuff. I mean, it's all so much better. Like Anthony says. There's 136 known carcinogens in an organic Brussels sprout and 60 in the least toxic veg. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to have some pretty bad meat before you get anywhere near that. It doesn't really exist. But yes, grass-fed for many reasons would be lovely. But the trouble is, 
it can get very expensive to to eat like that all the time. So there are some <laughs> there's some little dodges you can do. So we go down to the local farm and we get a load of um, fatty offcuts. We just get tons of fat um, because you know, like us, a load of the toxins are often stored in the fat in animals. And the muscle meat's pretty much okay. So you can buy the sort of lean meat, the crap that they cut all the fat off in the supermarkets. Mm. And you can render down your own tallow from that grass-fed fat from the from the grass-fed places. And so that's what we do. And it's very cheap. And so are the organ meats and so are the bones. So you can make the bone broth. So you can get all of that grass-fed for very mm. little money. And then if you want to, you can sort of reconstitute it and put the fat back on that they cut off in the supermarkets and whatever. Because as they know, and as everyone knows, all animal fats cause heart disease, don't they? So they, so they cut all the fat off, which is insane. But um, yeah, that's how we do it. Yeah, that's that's great. I get my meat from a local farmer as well. Can I just ask you? You know about the veganism. A lot of people say veganism is actually perfectly healthy. You just have to do it properly. But from the sounds of it, if you're <laughs> writing books about it and talking about it and living that life you must have been doing it properly and sourcing your food and getting a variety of you know different nutrients or i mean what do you think do you think it's possible being a vegan and being healthy or is it is just not possible at all no there's a honeymoon period quite often because it's basically a fast mm. so what they do they come off the regular diet with a certain type of plant toxin you know, wheat and, uh, and uh, you know, all the, all, all the seed oils and stuff like that. Then they go sort of whole food plant-based, as they call it, and um, they go to a different type of plant toxin. So quite often people even get cancer reversals and whatever on, on that type of a vegan diet. But then as the other plant toxins build up, because they just swap one set of plant toxins for another past the honeymoon period – they tend to have reversals of it, but also as the malnutrition sets in, as the, uh, you know, the, all the toxicity sets in, bone density collapses, all kinds of things go wrong. And, and we see this down the line. I mean, there are loads of vegans who, who have attacked me on my YouTube channel, even sent me death threats. They do get very angry. Um, they've come to me in, you know, a year or two down the line and said, you know, my, my thyroid's in trouble. My my joints have flared up. My arse has exploded. I mean, something's always gone wrong, or their teeth have fallen out. Some something's happened, and it's it's very difficult to explain to a vegan who thinks that they're well educated um, mm. that they are in the honeymoon period, and that honeymoon period can last quite a long time. I mean, as I always say, you know, what do you what do you call somebody who is a real expert on the vegan diet? A carnivore. <laughs> that's it basically i mean mo most of us are, are ex-vegans we've tried the vegetarian thing we've tried the veganism uh, and i don't see it going the other way i don't see carnivores going vegan because no. <laughs> the results last i mean yeah there are, i mean people come from a sad diet and they go vegan obviously and then they blame the meat for their problems but you know you shouldn't be blaming the burger for the sins of the bun um you know it's it, it's it's uh it's a difficult thing because there can be initial results, but mm. the cancer reversals are amazing. I mean, you're not really supposed to talk about that, but I've got a, I've got a YouTube video of my mum's breast cancer reversing on a, on a carnivore diet and an iodine protocol, which is great for, you know, those sort of thyroid and breast conditions, the hormonal conditions. Um, 
And there's, you know, it, it, it's not rocket science. It really isn't. And, and they're pretending it is all the cancer research people every time, every time they're rattling a bucket for cancer research or breast cancer awareness or something at a supermarket, <laughs> you know, they, my, my missus sees me heading over towards them and she's going, no, no, leave them alone. And I mean, I know it's not their fault, but I, I, do, I do like to have a little chat with them going, do you know, it's really not rocket science to reverse that stuff, but you know. Oh, it's- <laughs> It's it's great business. You know, I joke about it as well. I go like, you know, considering all the billions that have been pumped into cancer research, God, the yield has been really bad, hasn't it? And they just keep drumming up the buckets, the shaking, you know, donate, donate. And it's like almost this noble thing. It's like puppies and little children donate for cancer research. And it's like, yeah, but what's actually happening? Like cancer, cancer, you know, rates are rocketing. And survival rates aren't really improving at all in the last 30 years. So what the hell? What's happened? Talk about poor return. And it's funny, I had a conversation with Thomas Seafried. I don't know if you know him. He's amazing. And he was talking about how the origin of cancer is mitochondrial dysfunction. And this idea, so right now there's this vogue. Everything's about the genes, Phil, right? So it's all about genetics. And, you know, genetic problems, errors in your genes, flaws in your body and your genetic code is causing disease cancer whatnot and um, and now we need genetic treatments to fix it well that's all bs you know our body is amazing incredible and thomas Seafried proposes a different view for cancer that it's not the the genetic damage it's mitochondrial dysfunction and that creates um, free radicals which knock out bits of the genetic code and damages it so the genetic damage you're seeing is the effect not the cause and and he goes oh, it's really simple just get down to a keto diet because what you'll do is you'll metabolically starve the cancer cells that just makes sense to me and he was like look don't get me wrong it's not like you're going to reverse the cancer but you might delay it you might halt it and you might be able to die of natural causes of something else and the cancer just is there with you um and I like that. And Isabella Cooper, this mitochondrial person, um, said the same kind of thing. But have you heard of the Gershon diet? Like people say that's amazing. It reverses cancer, but that's all juicing veg. What's that all about? Yeah. Um, yeah, the Gerson therapy. It's um <laughs> well, I think when when um when Charlotte Gerson took over, she made it all about the juicing of the plants. Whereas before that, they were also whizzing up a load of organ meats and stuff. I mean, liver and thymus, I think, and other things. And that at least gave them some nutrition. Mm. But it was still heavy on the plant toxins. And, you know, it's the problem with that is that, again, the the plant toxins build up. I mean, Thomas Seafried's amazing. I I don't know. The mitochondrial thing, I'm right with him. Even on that video with my mum, you know, it was taken from a talk I gave on the carnivore diet to docs and other health professionals probably about five years ago now. And I mentioned that just saying it's not it's not genetic. It's mitochondrial. We need to wake up to this. But there's there's other factors than just the, you know, going on a keto diet, starving it out um, with a lack of carbohydrates. It's also. it's also depleting deuterium. Mm. I mean, Jack is very hot on that. And we've, we've also interviewed uh, Laszlo Borosh, who is great, who's a, a leading researcher into, into deuterium. And um, he's also a 1962 Gemini drummer like me too. So we, we, <laughs> we get on okay. And, and um, you know, also we've, um, 
we've interviewed Gabor Shomlai too. And the whole deuterium thing is fascinating because people also think that um, fruit is really healthy. You know, people say, even though when they wake up to plant toxins, oh, well, you know, humans are fruitarians, they're frugivores. It's absolute nonsense, of course. There's nowhere on the planet that a human can live on fruit alone, even if they were adapted to it. The monkeys get to it first, the bats piss on it, you know, and it's not the same <laughs> fruit as we have. It's not the same fruit as we have in our shops nowadays. So, you know, um, but what people don't realize is that nature gives it to us seasonally. And when when it's it's given in season, mostly for the benefit of the plant, because it wants you to eat that part of it, it doesn't want you to eat the stalks and the leaves. So they have lots of toxins in, as Anthony probably went into in great depth. But um, they they want you to eat the fruits. But it's so you can go poo it out somewhere else and grow another tree or a bush for them. You know, you're spreading the seeds. And then there isn't any fruit available over the winter. So you deplete deuterium. Fruit is very high in deuterium. And deuterium is, uh, you know, an extra isotope on hydrogen that makes heavy water. And so it's D2O. And up past a certain amount of um, um, parts per million, like about 155, which is the level that our water is, usually, unless it's nice glacial water, which is very low in deuterium. And then it's, it's not surprising that the tribes that live in those areas, they, they have good longevity. It's nothing to do with the blue zones from eating plants. And they eat a load of meat anyway. The blue zones, a load of more, more nonsense we can get into. But um, depleting the deuterium, the, the way it works when you go onto a keto diet, you're getting a whole load of animal fats. Animal fats are very low in deuterium, and they also hydrate you. So <clears throat> deuterium going, um, animal fats going into the body hydrate the cells, and the cells end up producing their own deuterium-depleted water, which is incredibly healing. So it's also a deuterium-depleting diet. When you when you get onto it from from any lens that you look at it, the carnivore diet, a high fat carnivore diet is is your best chance of, of reversing anything serious, any serious mitochondrial issue, which they all are. And it's also mm. the best way to heal the gut, as, as Sophia is showing at um, Paleo Medicina with with peg tests, with gut permeability tests. It's pretty much impossible to heal the gut unless all the plants are taken out of the diet, and you can pretty much test this. So I think a lot of those people who are into keto diets, and, you know, I'm not dogmatic. Sounds like I'm some sort of crazy carnivore who thinks the whole world should eat this way. <laughs> I think we're all sovereign human beings, and we should, we should do exactly what we want. Otherwise, we'll end up eating bugs, like, like Klaus Schwab says, you know, and we, we mm. don't want to be doing that. So everybody should eat what they want, but just be aware of, of, of what, what the lies are that have been told to us over the centuries, really, through mm. religion, through the controllers, you know, who want us weak on plant-based diets. But now it's even worse. You know, the past few decades, which these ridiculous guidelines that have come in that are just genocidal. Mm. So, you know, just uh, be aware, be aware of what's going on, then eat what you like. And if something goes wrong, at least you know not to go vegan, just go fully carnivore. It's funny you mentioned the blue zones. I, I saw a documentary. Don't ask me why. I was flicking through the channels. And um, I, I, I confess, you know, two or three nights a week, my wife and I watch about half an hour of TV. And um, so, yeah, I was just flicking, waiting for my wife to come. And there's something about blue zones which caught my eye. And I, I pressed the button and it was like, you know, the blue zones, something in the Mediterranean, Greece. 
and had to have a plant-based diet. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I've been to Greece. It's all about lamb and roast lamb and meat. It's like, what the hell are you talking about? Like wherever you go, there's spits out and you go to restaurants and you get all this big, massive meat platter. And, you know, it was like, yeah, this is all, it's an agenda. And, you know, I used to, I used to like watching Great British Menu because I love food. And I, I got really disappointed this year because the starters had to be sustainable and vegan. And I was like, well, one, that, that's not even sustainable. <laughs> like, oh, and that's just an agenda. Like, why? Why, 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 why? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, there are so many lies, Phil. You're absolutely right. And it's just, ah, and it's generational. It's been going on for decades, if not centuries. And it's about dumbing down the human population and making them compliant. And I think fundamentally making them sick. Because if you're sick, you're not free. So I bang on about how we need to inform and educate everyone so we are free, sovereign, like you just said. And, and the fitter and healthier you are, that's the ultimate expression of freedom. You know, when you're sick and unwell, that's not good. You know, you're vulnerable. Anyway, I want to talk about the psoriasis. You know, when I was in med school, we were taught all this kind of psoriasis and rheumatoid arthritis and shogun. No one ever told us why. And I really, 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 like, they just said, we don't know. And I would drive me crazy. Like, why is your body attacking itself? It doesn't make sense. Like, this is, what is going on here? And I think a lot of people don't realize that psoriatic arthropathy, which is what I think you said you had, it doesn't, you don't always have psoriasis. You don't always have the skin changes and it, it can affect everything. Like your whole body, like joint pains and swelling and degeneration in the joints, eye problems, back problems. It can affect your organs. I mean, it's quite a horrible condition. Um, were your like doctors not surprised that you're, you're able to like cure yourself of this? What was their reaction? Well, you know, the reaction was, um, well, they thought I was a lunatic. And then I thought, well, I won't go back. And then when I, when I pretty much fixed myself, an appointment came up to go and see this rheumatologist who used to get quite um, frustrated with me because I wouldn't take his medications. Um, and he said diet will do no good because he's probably seen somebody who's given up bread for a week and he, they weren't cured. You know? <laughs> and you've got to go a lot further than that. But um, I thought, well, I'll go back and show off. The appointment's come up, so I'll go back. So there I was in his waiting room. Now, we've got a, we've got a hospital of rheumatology near us. It's a hospital of excellence. I mean, I don't know what excellence it is. Maybe it's, you know, excellence in perpetrating rheumatic conditions or something, I, 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 perpetuating them. I, I don't know. But um, you go in there, the first thing you smell is sort of toasted bread and stuff where they're making people toasted sandwiches in the foyer where, well, they're waiting to go in. It's extraordinary. And, you know, and there's all these junk food machines that you can buy stuff out of. The people in his waiting room were, were all really overweight. They're sort of bandaged up joints and eating Kit Kats out their handbags and stuff. And I was the <laughs> only one who was jumping up and down and, 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 and fine. So I thought, well, this will be great. I can go and show him what I've done. So I went in there and I told him, mm -hmm. and I said, look, you know, I've lost 90 pounds or so. 90 pounds? I'm lean. I lost, I lost six stone. There's before and after pics out there of me, you know. I lost, wow. uh, yeah, I lost 90 pounds. Um, you know, I was a big, fat, dreadlocked dude back in 2010. I looked totally different. I had dreadlocks down to my knees. And I was really fat. There's a few videos of me drumming in those days out there, and it doesn't look like me at all.
But anyway, I walked in sort of, you know, um, slim and uh, jumping around. And I said, look what I've done. I fixed it. And, and he said, it's going to go into your heart and lungs and you need to take the methotrexate or it will go into your heart and lungs. And then it'll be really serious. And I, I, I just I, I said, look, I'm not taking that stuff. I'm not taking anything. Look what I've done. Look at the people in your waiting room. He got so angry with me. He was actually frothing at the mouth. Even the nurse was looking at him astonished. And I just ran out of there. Well, actually, before I ran out of there, I did say to him, you understand that frothing of the, at the corner of the mouth is a sign of heart disease. <laughs> I couldn't resist. And I went out of there and I never went back. And, and you know, this guy apparently has, has – um, I don't think he was even very good at um, pushing the mainstream narrative because I think he he got chucked out of the hospital anyway for some reason or other. I think he's somewhere up in Scotland now. But, um, no, they they don't. You know, there's there's an old saying, isn't there, that it's very difficult to convince somebody of something when being convinced of it, you know, that – their financial situation depends on being convinced of it. And, and no, you're not going to convince these people. You're not. I've met some great docs since, actually. You know, when, when I had kidney stones, I met a, a great urologist who was great about the carnivore diet. We had some great chats. And I was in there for about an hour and a half when I had a 15-minute appointment at the end of his day. And, and he was great. Mm. So there are some people who, you know, they're really open and some people are waking up. But um, not um, – not not most of them, unless they're just still spouting the lies just to keep the, the money coming in, which I think is even more despicable, to be honest. Yeah, but it's, it's kind of funny and sad, your story. I'm sorry. Um, just the way you mapped uh, people in the waiting area digging into their Kit Kat in their back. <laughs> well, look, I, I, wrote, I wrote a book. I, I wrote a book back in 2013 called Arthritis, The Best Thing That Ever Happened to Me. And it's on Amazon. It's on the Satanic Amazon, and 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 it still <laughs> sells really well. It was a it was a bestseller, bestseller in its class when I brought it out. And I think a lot of people like it because it's um, it is very humorous. You know, you've got to see the the ridiculous side of these things. The first Absolutely. third of it is about my so all that sort of nonsense, all the battles with the with the medical system, <laughs> trying to get them to figure it out. You know, the enormous amount of symptoms I did have with that. The, Somebody sent me, I haven't read it since then, but somebody sent me a, a photocopy of the pages that I sent to um, my rheumatologist. I thought, did I have that? Did that happen? Oh, yeah, that went away. That went. And there's things that you forget that are all tied in. And if yeah. you don't understand that it's all mitochondrial dysfunction, you end up running around all the departments. So, you know, the first third of the book is that. The second third is is finding the way, you know, with diet and, and all sorts of uh, other interventions, ancestral disconnects that we have, you know. I mean, everything, cold thermogenesis, getting all the light right, getting the EMFs right, all the Jack Cruz stuff and more. And the emotional stuff, you know, the emotional balancing and whatever. And the third part of it really is all about the whole spiritual side of it and emotional side of it, because all of these things tie in. And if you get, mm. them, all, if you get them all covered, then there's the real magic. Then you see people really heal up. It's beautiful. Mate. Amen. So... I I am probably 85% carnivore. Um, you know, I just had basically ground mints and fried eggs. <laughs> but I did have one slice of sourdough toast that I made, bread, sourdough bread that I made myself. But I'm slowly <laughs> weaning myself off. So 
Um, but I'm healthy. Yeah, I'm really healthy. I intermittent fast 21 hours a day. I exercise pretty much every day. Um, I sleep much better now. I go to bed at 10, wake up at 6, have a cold bath, you know, all that kind of jazz. Turn off the Wi-Fi overnight. Um, don't drink tap water, etc. Don't have fluoride. Don't have seed oils. Um, but the emotional stuff, you're 100% right. So um, why am I talking about that? So, you know, my emotions were really good. You know, I'm I'm doing this podcast. I'm loving it. I'm doing my little private practice, which I, I never really, you know, was going over the top with. It was two and a half, three days a week because I wanted to be a present dad. And, you know, I'm not like my most of my colleagues. I live a very simple life. You know, I drive a 2015 car. I'm not chasing the big house, the fancy holidays, all that kind of stuff. I want my kids to know who their dad is. And um, and, I, and I'm doing this podcast and I'm loving it. But then, then I found out I got suspended from the main hospital that I'm working out of where, you know, I've been for 10 years and there's no ne- nearby hospital you can just suddenly go to. And, you know, it takes years to develop a reputation. And and the really nice thing about this hospital where I work is I feel like part of the community, like all the patients that come and see me are word of mouth. 80% of them, you know, are not insured or, you know, are coming to me because I've treated their family or their friends or their neighbors or their work colleagues. And it's it's nice, you know. Um, and then suddenly you just get told, that's it. You 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 can't come into the building. Your your name's taken off the website. <laughs> you know, you're just locked out. Um, and I'll be honest with you, mentally, I really... I really struggled. I, I couldn't sleep. I was tossing and turning. I am. Um, I got this massive cold sore. I got this really nasty bug. I was, whoa, I was so sick. I was just run down. I was just knocked off. And it was all the emotions, the negative energy, you know? Um, and I've had to rebuild that energy. I can feel myself, my defense shield coming back out and I'm projecting and pushing out all that negative energy. And I feel great again nothing's changed i'm still suspended <laughs> but it's about that like you just said that it's all the different pieces of the jigsaw puzzle you might have your diet like perfect your carnivore diet but if you're not getting your sleep optimized if you're not controlling the emfs and, and if you're not getting the emotional you know it, it does all start to fall apart and i i really believe in that i think you're 100 right mate you know yeah yeah it does i mean you know it's Life throws us weird situations, and a lot of the issues last year as well that I had were not just eating the wrong part of the carnival diet, but also a whole load of stresses. We had flogging like all of our rental houses, and then going through auction and not making what we thought, and then sales falling through, and you know, crazy stuff like that. <clears throat> Lots of other stuff. We were threatened with being homeless, really, when the people who owned this house uh, said that we had to get out and we couldn't find anywhere else to live. Um, and, and then an incredible friend actually, who, who, um, publishes, uh, well, helps with the publishing of our books in this country said, Oh, it's okay. I'll buy you the money to buy a house. That's amazing. I mean, the, the, the <laughs> wonderful people that we've met through doing, and he just saved us, you know, I mean, he didn't give it to us obviously, but you know, he bought the house and it's in my name and, and we pay him a bit of interest on it. And I mean, these lovely things that happen and, to me, the two things that really helped me, because a lot of the time back in 2010, 2011, when I was healing up, I, you, you, you're so stranded on the sofa when the joints are that painful and inflamed mm. that you have to just go within, really. Mm. And I, I had to really reframe things. I mean, there's a nice analogy I use where there's two guys on a motorway and there's a, there's a traffic jam. And they're both in the, in, stuck in this traffic jam. 
and one guy's punching a steering wheel and swearing and blasting the horn. The other guy's sitting there and chilling out and listening to some music. What the hell? It's the same traffic jam. It's just the attitude that we have towards it, mm. that acceptance of things. And mm. that guy in the car, you know, sitting there chilling out, he might be thinking, well, who knows? I might have crashed on the way home if I hadn't have been in this traffic jam. I might yeah. have run somebody over. Anything yeah. could have happened. Yeah. And, and you just never know when something's a blessing and when it isn't. And, I, you know, looking back at the, the, the time when I was really sick for a long time, um, it, 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 was the, it was the best thing that happened to me. I looked at the reviews on Amazon the other day because somebody asked for the link, and I haven't looked at them for years, and there's some wonderful reviews on there. And one guy said, um, I didn't believe the title, but now I've read the book, I really understand why it was the best thing that happened. You know, it woke me up 100%. to so many things. It gave me the knowledge to keep my family healthy for generations, to, to, to teach them, you know, because I have a 33-year-old son who we brought up vegetarian. Mm. And Jack, Jack was on my podcast a while ago, and I brought up the picture of, um, of his neck, and it's just full of titanium. He had an aneurysmal bone cyst at about 11 years old and had to have uh, a whole vertebra removed and replaced with all this titanium scaffolding. And I believe that was how we brought him up, you know, eating. And, and then my daughter, who's 15 now with, with my present uh, partner, uh, she's pretty healthy. We didn't qu quite know about it when, when she was young. But now my son, who is, who is here, I just picked him up from school early to come on the podcast, and, and he's eight. And he's basically had breast milk and meat. Mm. And, and he is just so funny. He's so chilled. He's, he's just emotionally balanced. He's muscly. He's, um, he, he's incredibly healthy. And, you know, not only that, but he sees through all the nonsense at school as well. He's, he's, he's so intuitive. I say, what, what, what did you learn today at school, Peter? He goes, more bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I love and it. It is. It's spot on. I, I mean, he, he goes to school. He goes to school because he wants to hang out with his friends, really. But he learns more outside school, obviously, apart from the you know the lunacy that they teach at school, like the eat well plate and veganism, and you know, and how it's okay to you know dress up as as, as girls and have your genitals cut off and all that. I mean, the, the the lunacy that's going on these days that's being spread to kids. But fortunately, my kids see through it. But um, yeah, the difference as, as my kids go down in age with what I've learned. And so it was the best thing that happened to me. You know, you, you can learn this stuff. And, 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 you know, as we were talking about earlier on, the, 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 the way that we've been fooled on all levels down the ages. Um, mm. we, we wrote about this in, in that I, I co-authored the Red Pill Revolution book with Ben Hunt and um, Jeremy Ayers, John Gusty, Graham Norbury. And we've got the sequel coming out next month. Um, the red pill food revolution and just Amazing. the way, you know, we did all the consulting on it and did it with on zoom calls and whatever, but <clears throat> Ben is an amazing writer and he put it together, put the words together. And I think what he's put together in the red pill food revolution is, is the best book that's ever been written on, on the history of, of, of how the elites have controlled us with diet. And, and once you see it and you see where it's come from, you know, through religion, the seventh day Adventists, um, mm. Harvey Kellogg and his anti-masturbation cornflakes and, you know, all of that ridiculous story. When, when you see that, you know, you walk down the aisle in the supermarket and you see it's called Builders the Sunshine Breakfast. And 
All I think is all of these people with their hormones so damaged, they have no sexual desire anymore. And, and when, you, when, when you see how it messes about with our hormones and how then the elites can keep us obedient, they can keep us weak, they can keep us dependent on their solutions that don't work. Yeah. And, uh, no, 100%. 100%. And, uh, oh, mate, there's so much there. Where do I unpack it? I mean, Phil, I'm really glad you look at life's struggles and difficulties that you've gone through as actually the best thing that ever happened to you because I look back and so much happened to me. And, you know, I, I wouldn't change a thing because it led me to this point in my life. And I'm really happy where I'm at this point in my life. And I've learned so much. And adversity makes you stronger. It makes you more resilient. And I had to teach myself that over the last three, four weeks. You know, I was like really down. And I was like, I, I just one day, I don't know why I woke up. I was like, come on, Ahmed, you've been here many times before. Come on. You know, you know the play. It's going to be fine. And actually, you're going to look back and say, I'm so glad this happened to me. <laughs> and yet you got, you got too cozy. And you know what? It's good to get out your comfort zone. And, and I think you've nailed it. Now, talking about the food and the control, oh, me, absolutely. And the, telling the kids what to do nowadays. I mean, I have to laugh about it because otherwise it's so dark and depressing. You think, what the hell? So you either laugh or cry. And I choose to laugh and, and mock them, actually, because I think that that is the best way to insult them is to mock them. What a freaking ridiculous thing they're doing with our kids um, I believe that there's two sexes, male and female, and you can't change biological sex. You can you can identify as whatever you like, but uh, ain't changing facts, mate. So um, I'm with you there. But I, I think, look, the diet is so important. You, you, you tinfoil hat wearing Trump supporting racist. I'm appalled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, transphobic. You know, I, I'm I'm not scared of trans people. I actually love trans people. I'm trying to save them, um, and that's the that's the inverted world that we're in. So if you push kids towards mutilation and a lifelong of drugs and depression and mental health problems, that's you being woke and amazing and enlightened and liberal and a wonderful person. When actually. Your cruel, vindictive, virtue signaling, which is the laziest form of doing good and harming, harming a generation, depriving them of their sexual function and making them patients for life. So the person who calls out the BS, the bullshit, gets called a transphobic when actually the guy who's doing this is doing it to save our children. <laughs> but this is the inverted world we live in, my friend. Um, you know, talking about diet, you know, I've, you know, I've really got to grips now with the idea that your gut, like Natasha McBride said way back, you know, in her book, gut mind axis is so important, you know, and what you eat affects your brain and your hormones and produces 50 to 70 percent of the hormones, these bacteria in your gut. So if your gut's not happy, you're not happy. If your gut's not happy, your immune system's not happy, then you're going to have autoimmune problems. It all comes from the gut. and I can only look at things like the food pyramid where you've got processed food above like healthy meats and think if this dumb orthopod can figure out that red meat is good for you, fat's good for you, salt's good for you, you know, all this stuff is good for you. And actually all the low fat stuff is really bad for you and seed oils are bad for you. I can figure it out. God damn it. These far clever people know this too. And if they're still spouting out the nonsense, 
They know it's nonsense. So then why are they doing it? And you can only draw the one conclusion, which is they want us to be sick. They want us to be obese. They want us to be unhealthy. They want us to be anxious and depressed because that's how you control a population. And that's how you profit from their misery. And part of the podcast and part of having people like you on and part of your mission is to save humanity and to lift them out of this fog and amnesia of their hereditary, um, you know, ancestral past about what their actual diet should be like and what their future should be like. And not the answer is not, for example, in a drug and a pill. I, I mean, I'll come back to you in a second, but I had this chap on Ruben DeWitt talking about PSSD, I don't know if you heard of it, post-sexual serotonin uptake inhibitor sexual dysfunction, but it's more than just sexual dysfunction. You've got cognitive problems, you've got numb genitals, you've got neuropathy, you've got, and this is from these drugs. And it also makes you feel nothing. It makes you feel nothing. It makes you feel not attracted to anybody. And you just wonder, all these young people who, you know, there's been an epidemic of mental health, particularly with lockdowns, all these young kids who are now being given antidepressants, how many of them are suffering from PSSD? How many of them are feeling like they don't feel anything? They have no sexual desire. Is that why they're not confused about their gender? Is that why they think maybe they're, they're in the wrong body? I mean, it just there's so many layers to this onion we need to unpeel. And we need to talk about it, frankly. And it comes back to the gut, which is why I really wanted you to talk about <laughs> your diet and what you've achieved, because it's so relevant today. today. Um, anyway, I'm rambling. <laughs> what else would you no, want to no, talk about 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 the gut and and about the 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 emotions and the and the mental health i mean we see depression lifted you see schizophrenia lifted you know and as as natasha said years ago uh, autism you know with with her own kids and then millions around the world who benefited from her quack ideas <laughs> you know that nobody believed in yeah. but you know there's something about about the control that, that the elites are putting on us. And, and a lot of people, this, this, these past three years have been a, a time of massive awakening. Loads of people have woken up to stuff. I mean, I spend a lot of time at the free festivals, mostly through the Daz Band, you know, and, and we see we're playing to awake audiences, awake, unjabbed audiences all the time, you know, which is a mm. real pleasure. Mm. Um, but we see the enormous amount of awakening. But among those people who have woken up, Still, a lot of them haven't woken up to the diet thing. I mean, Ben and mm. I do live talks on a, the food conspiracy on my on my Phil Escott YouTube channel. We've got a we've got a I've got a video up there, the food conspiracy. We go through it, you know, how we've been fooled, all the lies. It's basically the Red Pill Food Revolution book in short, and you know, it's about an hour long, but it takes you through all the ways that we've been fooled and why. And we've been doing live talks, and you know, vegans are very difficult to get through to. There's always a couple of them. But vegetarians in the in the audience, you know, we've been going around these venues where they're they're sort of going and listening to talks on UFOs and chemtrails and jabs and all of this sort of thing, and they're totally woken up to all these sort of things, mm. all these rabbit holes. And and then so they come up to us at the end of the talk and they say, "Wow, we never thought that," you know, because vegetarians are not so emotionally uh, charged about their diet. Mm. as vegans and and so you can get through to them and they come up and they say wow i don't know we've got so many people signing up to our big fat challenge that we've we've spoke to and spoken to in this way um and they say it makes total sense because mm. look i mean jack cruz is often saying to me 
he says to me, why don't you stop being a diet guru and be a light guru? Start talking about light. And I say, listen, on every consult, I talk about light and the circadian rhythm and put all your, your, your stuff, the practical side of it to them. But there's so much there's so much built up around diet that so many misconceptions, so many lies. I mean, mm-hmm. if you consult with a vegan, you can say, you know, yeah, sort out your EMFs. Sort, oh, great. Yeah. Get grounded. Get natural sunlight in your eyes. Get some on your skin. Oh, that's brilliant. You know, get some uh, red lights around your house or none at all or candles in the evening. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's cool. Get the emotional stuff worked out. Yeah. And eat a steak. Fuck off. <laughs> like, you know. They can't get around it. They can't get their heads around it. And so it's the last It's the last thing. So I say to Jack, look, I, I talk about diet just because there's so many misconceptions about it. And, and you know, the layers and layers of bullshit and, and the, the plant pushing the plant-based thing. I mean, all the soy thing, it destroys the hormones. What's going to happen? Then they will get confused about gender. I mean, you know, young boys have got have got dadderies. They've got gynecomastia, you know, really young. Yeah. Things are going wrong. Girls are hitting puberty at six years old. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's crazy. So, you know, obviously things are going to go wrong at, uh, when they hit their teenage years. It's going to be incredibly confusing, along with all the, 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 the bullshit that's happening and, and, and you know, um, drag queens going and reading them stories. You see, it's... It, in, in school, it happens at the other end of life as well, because there's this huge thing of Alzheimer's. I mean, if you put somebody on a, on a keto diet when the brain, you know, it's like they say it's sort of type three diabetes now, don't they? So, you know, the brain has lost its ability to function on carbohydrates. So then when you give it some ketones to work on, often it can be reversed. But back in the day, the elders are what passed on the stories of wisdom and whatever around the campfire to the to the to the younger generations, and we should have people who are in care homes going and reading stuff to the kids in schools, not not drag queens. But the trouble is, the people in the care homes they're in there with Alzheimer's, and then they're feeding them sugary tea, biscuits, cakes. Would you like some more jelly? Would you like another sandwich? Would you you know? And and they've got no hope of regaining their their mental mental faculties, and so then you know they've got them in there, and and then of course you know um, Matt and his midazolam come in and 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 start to knock them off, and with that and the jabs, and they are trying to 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 put a stop on 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 the ancient wisdom, and of course with all ancient the censorship, wisdom. the book burning and stuff. Yeah, yeah, this is not this is not new. You know, as Anthony talks about old Salisbury, yeah, hundred years ago or more. You know, and his um, Salisbury steaks, and he was reversing autoimmunity by putting people on on a carnivore diet. Long time ago, it's always been known. It's ancient wisdom. It's even Ayurvedic wisdom, because you know, mm. in, in, in Ayurveda, because obviously with the, with the transcendental meditation movement that I got caught up in for a long time um, up here in Skelmersdale. Um, Ayurveda is seen to be some sort of a vegetarian science. But if you actually look into the old texts, like the Charak Samhita, the Bhava Prakash, um, they say that meat is like nectar. It's the most nourishing food for the body. And you, you, this wisdom has been lost. It's covered up. It's covered up because they don't want us thinking for ourselves. I was amazed during the, the early part of this whole COVID nonsense um, we were making videos about it from the start with the Human Unleashed, with with the group that we had then that wrote the book. <clears throat> we saw through it from the start. 
when the when the buses that came into Liverpool, the drivers didn't have hazmat suits on, you know, take bringing the people in from Wuhan. And I thought, nah, this is bullshit. And we started <laughs> making videos about that early on, which obviously got my YouTube channel blacklisted and, and shadow banned. But we we've seen this, you know, from from the very start of it. And it on my carnival group, on my my hundred percent carnivore and beyond, it's called on Facebook. I was really proud to see very few arguments. There were very few, as we called them, COVID enthusiasts coming up and telling us to put muzzles on to save granny. Mm. But you look in other groups and they, they were always arguing about it and a load of them were jabbed and then there was a few who weren't. But in the carnival group, it seems to be that the brain is working. And when you've seen the bullshit in the diet world, you can see through the bullshit more easily in the other stuff. Mm. Because, you know, if, if Bill Gates... Are telling us to eat plant-based diets, and you've woken up about all the other stuff with the jabs and the muzzles and the social distancing and the, you know, digital currency and all that. And people have woken up about that sort of thing. Then suddenly they're going, "Oh yeah, but we should all be vegan because it's all lovely and it helps you to ascend to the fifth dimension." And bullshit, you know, the whole spiritual thing. I have I had an old podcast called um, I've got one now called uh, Red Pill Buddhas. I've got to get you on. But um, I had an old yeah. one called a, a Carnivore and Beyond. And yeah. it, it, was, it, was mo- it was mainly, it was for spiritual people who had found physical healing, emotional healing, mental health healing, and even regained awakenings through knocking the plants out of their diet and healing their body again. And it's mm. got nothing to do with spirituality. It's my, my friend Ben Hunt, who I run the Big Fat Challenge with, says, saying that, that, meat is low vibration and stops you ascending is totally disrespectful all of our ancestors are you telling me that all of those tribes with those amazing shaman and those 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 wise people who they had their share of of enlightened people they all ate meat predominantly you're telling me they didn't have spiritual awareness these people are more spiritual spiritually aware than any vegan in a high-rise block of flats having all their their food flown in from the other side of the world. You know, it, it's amazing. It really is how upside down things are. It's incredible. You know, Jack once said, I think he said it about light, but we use it for diets. It's to, humans are the only species intelligent enough to make their own food and stupid enough to eat it. <laughs> yeah, 100%. You've covered so many topics there, and I'm really glad you have, Phil, because I keep banging on about the fact that Everything is related and there's no point trying to fix one thing in isolation. It's like, you know, most foot and ankle surgeons will see a patient and just go, right, yeah, we, we need to inject that. Whereas, you know, I, I learned a few years back, I can't do that. I, you know, I talk to patients about their stress, about their sleep, about their diet. I got a text message from a patient of mine who's also lost six stones and reversed her mental health issues. I'm going to be going for a run with her next Friday. And I'm going to talk about it on my Substack. And she's turned things around because I wanted to concentrate on all the other things that were impacting her life. And actually, you know, it wasn't, she didn't need surgery, extra surgery on her feet to fix things. She needed to fix her gut. Her gut was not happy. She was on hormones for polycystic ovary disease and blah, blah, blah. And we'll talk about it because she's, 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 she's great. And, um, and we turned it all around. And so if we look at, forget the patient, um, if, if we're going to look at humanity and see humanity as the patient, there are multiple ailments and it, trying to fix just one thing in isolation isn't enough. And 
yes, we need to talk about diet, nutrition, and, and the carnivore diet, but actually that's also linked to so many other things, just like you've alluded to, like mental health issues, like chronic disease, like compliance, control, you know, the fact they want to make us eat fake meat and burgers. What was that all about? And I think what we haven't touched upon is like climate climate scam. You know, that's also being used as a tool, you know, create these global crises that require global solutions. And guess what? In the inverted world, the people that create those global problems then blame it on us plebs. And the solution is we have to pay more tax and give away our freedoms. I mean, what's that all about? I mean, totally guilt us into thinking. So I think, like you said, when you're talking to these vegans in these festivals and whatever, you know, they have it in their head that meat is bad. It's killing the planet. And they're not going to eat meat and they're saving the planet. Look how good they are. And you're a dirty meat eater and you're killing the planet. And you know what? Hell come down on you now. <laughs> and it's just, it's like a religious ideology that sets in, unfortunately. And why I find really weird, again, inverted world, is these vegans who talk about wanting to eat organic food and vegan and being health conscious we're also the first ones to line up and take the toxic shot full of God knows what crap. You know, what was that all about? <laughs> it was like, what? <laughs> You're happy to take this? Is the injection organic? You know, is it whole food? Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is the madness we're in. And the climate thing is really definitely a big thing. I also think, um, I wasn't expecting to talk about Drag Queen Hour with you, but... <laughs> It's relevant. So I, can I tell you a story? I got invited to a party. I don't go to very many parties, but this is a, a doctor that I've known for a few years. And he said, look, you haven't been around for ages. Come around. You know, I'm having a little do. Oh, all right. Okay. So I go along and there's all these people. I have no idea who they are. And I'm not, I, I'm actually an introvert. You know, people think I'm an extrovert. Externally, I'm an extrovert, but internally I'm an introvert. So I'm there. I'm just standing there with my little fizzy water and I'm, I'm looking around and someone comes up to me and goes, oh, hi, who are you? And she's American. I was like, oh, my name's Simon Mack. Where are you from? New York. And she was like, oh, it's terrible what happened in New York. And I was, I was thinking she was talking about lockdowns and mandates. I was like, oh, yeah, it was absolutely awful, wasn't it? Yeah, it was terrible. It was, it was, it was awful. God damn it. And I was like, yeah, you know, I really feel sorry for you guys. She goes, you know, we didn't lock down enough. You know, those stupid anti-vaxxers. And I'm like, well, well, we were actually, we were on the different page here. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? And and I was like, I and she just kept going on. She was like, Trump and this. And I was like, I, I think we're on the on a different page here. She was like, What are you talking about? I was like, Yeah, I, I don't believe in that that jab and I don't believe in lockdowns. And she just looked at me like I was an alien. And I was like, you know, there's just too many things wrong in society, you know, like this drag queen hour business. And then she goes, What's wrong with that? And I was like, What's wrong with that? What's right about it? And and how can you have a conversation with these kind of people? Like, I couldn't get through to her. And you know, her response was, the next response was crazy. She goes, if you were my family member, I think I would be hitting you by now. And I was like, I'm glad I'm not your family member. <laughs> and she walked off. She got so angry and animated because I just had a different viewpoint from her. Um, and the drag queen era business is worrying me. And a lot of people think it's just America, but actually it's, it's coming, it's, it's come to the UK and I think there is a war and attack on our children. It's all about children. They're getting them used to taking jabs and flu shots and COVID shots, rolling up their sleeve, take it for the greater good. Um, it's done publicly. So it's not informed consent. There's coercion. You know, how many kids want to do something 
you know, that, you know, stand up and say, oh, I don't want to do that when all their mates are doing it. You know, that's peer pressure. Um, so they're getting used to being compliant. They're getting over-sexualized material at school. Someone, a parent sent some stuff to me and honestly, it looked pornographic. I was like, this 10-year-old should not be reading this stuff. Mm. Um, so it's, it, there's over-sexualization. There's this weird agenda of pushing them to question their body um, make them compliant, take away them from their parents and their family. And instead, the state comes in and goes, I'm your parent. I will take care of you. And I think it's quite a nefarious, dark agenda. And I think we do need to talk about it because if we don't know about it, then we can't deal with it. But like what you're doing with your son, it's making sure that they're informed and educated. So when he goes, you know, they can talk that shit, but he comes home and goes, yeah, bullshit. <laughs> and, and, and that, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, his... His, his school is really good. The other school that where my, my daughter goes, <clears throat> the secondary school, it's the Maharishi school in, in, in Skelmersdale here. And, and, you know, I often remind them because they're totally compliant. I mean, they even once called the police on me for mentioning oh. the jabs in front of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. And I mean, I'm really chilled. And they said, oh, well, I'm becoming abusive and whatever. No, I wasn't <laughs> abusive. Just they said, I'm oh, calling the police. And I went, fuck's sake. So that's that's not becoming abusive. That's just astonishment that you would yeah. call the police because I mentioned that you're probably pushing the jabs too much on the kids. Yeah, but this is the Maharishi school. I mean, Maharishi himself said um, the next world war will be will be against the pharmaceutical companies, and I keep mm. reminding of that them of that and saying, have you, have you noticed we're in the middle of it now? Mm. But it is. Yeah, it's on every level. The climate change thing is is, is ridiculous. I mean, Ben does some Ben my my co-host of the big fat challenge he does some great stuff with all the um graphs and um data about about the climate change and it depends where you take it from doesn't it you know it's 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 like the smallpox vaccine where they pretended it cured smallpox and yet they brought yeah. the vaccine in when it was already like 90 down because <laughs> yeah. of um you know because of uh hygiene sewers and whatever sanitation but yeah the climate change thing is absolutely ridiculous and and I speak. We also speak about uh, about this a lot because it is a war on meat. I mean, if they get rid yes. of what they consider is the most dangerous food, which is beef and lamb, which they're yeah. trying to get rid of, I've got nothing left to eat. You know, I I, I can't I can't eat this other stuff. So I, I'm that's my whole diet gone, and so it's very serious for me. And the thought that farting and burping cows are causing some kind of climate change is just so laughable. I mean, yeah. the, there were mega herds roaming in the North America. What what were they doing? Holding their farts in or something back in the day? <laughs> is that why there was no problem? You know, it was it was absolutely ridiculous. So yeah. I, I I don't know how they can possibly um believe that uh, that 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 this is causing that. I mean, people are really um People are, people are really taken in by it. And yet, even when, even if you believe in all that stuff, um, the uh, grass-fed grass -fed, fed agriculture sequesters carbon anyway, if you believe that carbon is harmful and not just a plant food. You know, it doesn't hold up on any level whatsoever. So, you know, and they're also faking pandemics among the animals. And they faked them over the, over the decades as well. You know, the, the, the mad cow disease was not what they said it was. Oh, all I of know. this sort of thing, to try and get people to stop eating that. And, and all this, this business of sheep. I mean, there's a, there's a film called Rams, two films. One of them's kind of Icelandic, I think. Was it Icelandic? 
and one they translated it into a sort of more western one for more sort of hollywoody thing for and it and it was tea. it was in um, New Zealand or Australia I can't remember but the film Rams is all about you know how they used to try and get all the the sheep uh, farmers to kill off all their sheep for no reason at all and this has been going on for ages they don't want us eating that stuff they don't want our brains fueled with the correct um with the correct Energy. fuel to yeah. to yeah to be chilled out and and to look at all the areas and see the gray areas in between they want us to think in black and white and i'm sorry to be insulting to vegans but the vegan brain is often very black and white and you can see it when vegans go carnivore and they go wow did i ever think like that was i really ever that militant was i ever that angry what happened my body was in hunting mode you know and 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 they do get very angry and they can see black and white so yeah there's either carnivore or vegan there's there's nothing in between. There's no, you should eat meat or you shouldn't eat meat. You should eat plants or you shouldn't, you know. No, there's so many gray areas here. There's so many nuances that you have to that you have to look at. I studied diet for 30 years with an open mind and I was wrong. I had to mm. throw, throw out everything I thought I knew and admit mm. that the book that I'd written was bullshit and, and totally turn around, you know, and I'm still learning stuff every single day. Dude, the you more I learn... Yeah, the more I learn, the more I realize I know nothing. Like, I honestly, I love, I love this journey. I just turn around and say, I don't know. I, I, I think I know. I know a little bit about everything, but actually, I know nothing about a lot of things. Um, but that's fine. I want to keep my brain open and receptive to things and let it in. You know, I think one of the really good things about carnivore and, for example, intermittent fasting is it drives that keto pathway, and actually, ketones is the best fuel for the brain. And when, when you run on ketones, I always say it's like jet fuel, it's clean. And it's like, you know, I'm just, I'm always like just steady. Like my mood doesn't really fluctuate that much, you know? Whereas like, I remember the days when, you know, I, I had type 2 diabetes, I was overweight, you know, 16 kilograms I've lost now, reverse my fatty liver and my type 2 diabetes. But, you know, I used to have these hunger pangs and I, my mood would, would really fluctuate like crazy. And it's all driven by that high insulin resistance and that high insulin level and, and the glucose levels going up and down and dipping and, and, and it really affects your mood really, really does. And I don't think people really understand that. And, and, and if they did, they would, uh, they would realize how powerful that is in affecting your mental health. You know, you, you mentioned way back that, you know, there are good doctors, you know what there are. And I would say 80% of doctors, unfortunately, are kind of like just brainwashed. But I think that actually is just the whole population anyway. I don't, people need to understand, Phil, that doctors aren't special. They aren't gods. They're not any, they're not a different species. They're, they're just humans. And, you know, 70% of the population is kind of like just compliant, will do whatever the BBC tells them. So is the case with the doctors. Okay, it's no different. But that does leave 20, 30% of doctors who are fantastic. So, for example, I'm going to have um, Rachel Brown, Dr. Rachel Brown, a consultant psychiatrist, and you're going to love this. Um, she's coming on next week to talk about the carnivore diet and how wonderful it is in treating mental health issues. Sure. Um, so, you know, and, and then, you know, you talked about keto paleo diet. You've got Sarah Myho, who is amazing. Then there's Natasha Campbell Bride. There's people like Dr. Tina Pierce. I mean, there's so many good doctors out there. Dr. Liz Evans. I mean, a lot of them are now doing functional medicine because of the, Dr. Jane Donahan. Um, she's an amazing God. I love her. Um, and then a lot of these people have found that working in the mainstream media was uh, medicine was just too difficult. 
too restrictive. They were getting investigated. They were getting pulled up. They were getting investigated by the GMC or suspended. And so, unfortunately, they've left mainstream media, but uh, medicine. But they are still fundamentally doctors, and and I think there are good doctors. I think one of the things that Jack Cruz talks about, which we haven't mentioned, is decentralization. And I think part of the problem with the NHS is it's centralized. And if 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 your employer, if all your income is coming from one person, and it's reliant on you doing as you're told, it's very difficult to speak out of line. Um, and 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 I really don't believe in the NHS anymore. You know, and this is a big U-turn for me. I used to believe in it. I, I don't think it's convenient or conducive to good health for the nation. I, I don't think it's good for patient safety. I think it creates compliant, you know, a compliant, obedient doctor class that doesn't question, and that is fundamentally not good for patient safety. If doctors are scared to speak out when they see some harm because they're worried that they're going to get sacked or investigated and um, suspended can't pay their mortgage, that's stressful. Now, I've lived, you know, a stressful life and I'm a bit more resilient. And even in the last few weeks, I was it was a bit rocky for me, but I've pulled out. You know, I still don't know how I'm going to pay my mortgage in four or five months, but I'm chilled about it. Most people wouldn't be able to tolerate that amount of stress. That, that is just, they can't contemplate that. They would rather just stay quiet and do as they're told. So I think a big, big aspect of the world that we live in is we really need to decentralize. And I don't know what you think of that. I think it's exactly what should happen. You know, I, I love it when this is, is going on. I mean, Sean Baker's Rivero thing. Um, to be honest, I don't think you have to be a doctor these days to have a, a big slice of, of, of the upcoming medical um, system uh, yeah. because there are lay people. You know, I, I mean, I know it sounds big-headed, but I'm not the only one. There's many people out there, but, you know, we, we, we have – so many healing stories every day we get somebody through from you know who's been on the big fat challenge or whatever and and they've done the 90 day thing reset and and they, they've had the most extraordinary healing things and that i know that no doctor has ever seen and no i don't know how to fix a broken bone and so there are plenty of good things in the medical system that that, that you know that should be kept you know, surgeons, fantastic. Surgery is just wonderful and, and often completely necessary. And it's it's surprising how many of the docs who actually wake up are surgeons, have you noticed? You know, mm. there's Jack, there's Anthony, there's Sean Baker. Mm. You know, and, and, and I think that they were attracted to a side of medicine that was actually useful instead of just being one of the legalized drug pushers. 100%. And, you know, the... the yeah, yeah. And then they get in trouble because, you know, people like you, people like Sean, the same things happened. They found ways of helping their patients without putting them under the knife. Mm. And then they're losing the hospital revenue as well. And so Sean had a load of trouble with this. And then the vegans go, oh, look, he was never a doctor. He was struck off. He wasn't. He surrendered his license because he got just got sick of all the shit that was being thrown at him. And now he's got his license back anyway. Not that he uses it, but he was never mm. thrown out of the medical profession. I mean, there. this is the thing that I say to people. I mean, look at the difference between carnivore docs and, and vegan docs. I mean, you've got Dr. Michael Greger. I mean, he. I, I, don't, I don't vegan bash, but I do vegan doctor bash. Because these people are catching them up. You're catching people up in this in this horrible New World Order cult. I mean, look at Dr. Gregor. I mean, I'm glad he's there because he's hilarious. I mean, there's wonderful videos. They had a video of him and 
Milton Mills, somebody spliced together all the bits where they go, um, uh, um, uh, and, and it's hilarious. <laughs> I was sitting next to Sean. I was I was sitting next to Sean Baker at the Sheffield conference, and and, and I showed him this, and he put up, put it up on his Instagram, and it is just the most hilarious video. But they're just going, uh, 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 um, uh, and it's just so beautifully spliced together, and. You look at Gregor. I mean, he's emaciated. There's a picture of him with a, next to a 10-year-old girl. No, nine-year-old girl. And she's got bigger biceps than him. And people are taking advice off this guy. You know, I, I, Sean Baker could pick him up with one hand and, and press him for reps. You know, and look at Anthony Chafee. And look at, look at uh, you know, Ken Berry. And these people are really healthy. And, and some hey, of the women hey, docs are just ripped. Hey, and they look fantastic. Hey, hey, what about me? Yeah. Look at these guns. Yeah. <laughs> look at that you look like a beast you're looking fantastic man those, I'm 48. those are not vegan arms no i'm well 48 I, yeah. i'm 48 and i was doing jiu-jitsu with kids half my age this lunchtime you know and and they all say you got proper Excellent. old man's and they all say you've got proper old man strength and i go yeah <laughs> i'll take that as a compliment <laughs> <laughs> nice yes, Dude, I'm, I mean, so- I'm, I'm, I'm the only 61 year old I know with a with, with a flat stomach, and since yeah. I well, if I don't eat dairy, I got my arms out as well, totally effortlessly. And I used to run a gym, and I exercised all the time. I used to write for mountain bike mags. Never got lean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. Look at that. You yeah. see, it works. It works. <laughs> but you look it's at the people. They're emaciated. They're emaciated. They're slurring their words, and these people listen to them. And I say, just look. You know, look at the difference. And please mm. listen to these docs who really do understand it. But, you know, people still get caught up in it. But, yes, all we can do is mock. And I think, I think you know, coming from a public school background and healthy piss-taking, I think that, uh, you know, this is essential for the vegan docs. They need to be ridiculed all the time. The piss needs to be <laughs> taken all the time. Yeah. And, yeah. and vegans, they need sympathy and they mm. need care and they need, you know, they don't need the piss-taking, but the people who put it out to them need it. They, it needs to be – it's serious now. They're coming for the meat. The war is Amen. on. Amen. Amen. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Frack them. I say frack them from Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> frack them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for certain people, gloves are off, right? Um, just, I just want to say, I'm so upset. Yeah. I was at PHC as well this, this summer. Um, I was at PHC as well this summer, and I missed you. Sean Baker is a freaking mountain. I mean, that guy's a beast. I mean, he shook my hand. I was terrified he was going to crush it. <laughs> like he's massive. Um, so yeah, you I was there. Sheffield. Yeah. Were you? Oh yes. shit! I missed you. It's oh, me. it's a shame. It was, it was, yeah, Sean is a beast, isn't he? he? Was we we went to dinner, um, uh, the, the the last evening of it or whatever, you know, and and people are trying. I was sitting next to Sophia Clements. And she's she's wonderful. I know it really. You've got to get her on. She is incredible. Okay. But Sean was there, you know, and he'd ordered this massive great porterhouse steak that was about this thick. And, um, you know, the other guys, there were some other guys there who were, who were trying to order that and trying to struggle through it to keep up with Sean. I didn't bother, you know, I'm not going to get through one of those. And they were struggling and Sean just kind of inhaled it. And I said to him afterwards, you know, um, you had enough to eat, mate. You're all right. And he went, I could do another one. <laughs> he probably could. Yeah, he's absolutely massive, isn't he? He's, he's enormous. He, he but yeah, is he's, a, he's enormous. hilarious too. And he's a lovely guy. 
I've, I've not met any, well, maybe one that I won't mention, but I don't want to badmouth anybody. But I've, apart from one, I've, I've never met anybody in the carnivore space that I don't get on with. I mean, Anthony Chafee's a real laugh. We, we chat a lot. And, uh, you know, Ben's working with him on his new book. And um, I, I just, uh, they're great. They're just very entertaining community. I love them all. Anthony, Anthony cracked me up when I was like, oh, tell me about your exercise program and stuff and he goes oh i'm lucky if i go to the gym gym once every fortnight i was like what look at like what and then and then it was like do lions go to the gym do you ever see lions going and pressing weights and lifting you know doing deadlifts no they're sleeping all the time and they're jacked but it's because they're eating what they're designed to eat and um you know we're not meant to be grazing all day like ruminant animals we've got one stomach highly acidic it's not designed for, you know, the crap that we're eating today. So 100%. And I really agree with you. So look, going back to what you said about the surgery business. So when I was going through med school, you know, I just liked the idea of something being broken and you can fix it. And, you know, don't let's just throw all of medicine at, you know, you, you know, you can't because there are so many wonderful things. I've had six operations and they've led me to where I am today. And if I didn't have them, mate, seriously, I'd be in a bad place. And so there's some fantastic operations and they're mainly trauma. But when it comes to chronic disease, we're crap, we're rubbish, and we're not very good at preventing um, ill health, and we're not very good at treating chronic disease. But when it comes to trauma, yeah, it's great. And I think you're right. As surgeons, you know, we've just got a, we've got this idea of, you know, things either work or they don't. And a, a big element of surgery is informed consent. You, know, you really need to inform your patient of all the options, pros and cons of each one, and all, actually also giving them a choice of nothing and respecting that. And so informed consent is like a huge thing that I practice every single day. So when I don't see informed consent, I go, that's bullshit. And I think that's one of the reasons why there were so many doctors speaking out um, in the last few years, you know, like um, Dr. Hinton, Tony Hinton, ENT surgeon, Ian McDermott, hip and knee surgeon, you know, people like Sean Baker, um, Anthony Chaffee. So it's, it's Jack Cruz, you know, it's, it's because of that mindset that we just think, look, we want to fix people and not just give a tablet or a pill and, you know, a, adjust the dosage and see if that makes any difference. So I, I think you're bang on on that one, by the way. Um, but I think, you know, doctors just need to join the dots and practice a little bit more holistically and also walk the walk. So, you know, you talked about the rheumatologist. I, I, I went to see a diabetologist, you know, when I had a fatty liver and my bloods were all deranged and my HbA1c is up. He was overweight. He was in the coffee room eating donuts. And when I said to him, like, what do I do? He was like, oh, start metformin and glucoside. And I was like, anything else? Yeah, low fat, um, cut out your meat. You know, this was the advice from a consultant diabetologist. And now looking back, you could not get it more wrong than that. <laughs> what does that tell you about the state of affairs that we're in right now? And I think doctors just, you know, they need to start walking the walk and, you know, Look at Sean Baker, look at Anthony Chaffee, look at me. You know, we, we look healthy. And if you look at people like Peter Hotez pushing the vaccines, he doesn't look healthy. You know, we, we should be taking advice from people who are actually walking the walk, not taking advice from Bill Gates, who's got man boobs. You know, who, 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 who entitles him to, to give advice about health, pushing products that he has shares in? Oh, no conflict of interest there. You know, it's, again, inverted world we live in. But, you know, I think, I don't know about you, but I, I do believe there is this great awakening. People are slowly starting to wake up 
And I think it's important that we do join the dots. We do join the dots. And and for some people, it can be quite difficult because if you just break certain things down, it kind of like shatters the whole worldview. You know, like you're saying, there's some barriers people just won't go past. And I think it's because if you break that barrier, they will then have to question everything. But the reality is that is what we need to Mm. do. We can't trust our government. We can't trust our authorities. We can't. The WHO is not a nice body. The UN is not a fluffy, nice thing. The EU is not a nice flag with stars that wants to cuddle you. You know, these supranational states want to take away your power and your sovereignty. They want to enslave you, you know. And and going back to the meat, we need to talk about beef and pasture-fed, not even grass-fed, pasture-fed. You know, I always say to people, you are only what, not just what you eat, but what the animal ate. You know, if you're eating a diabetic cow, a cow that just sat in a shed and ate grain, that's not a normal healthy diet. That's a stressful circumstance for that animal as well. Being in a small environment, not being able to get out in the sun and the fields and the pasture. You know, so looking after animal well-being, having them out in the fields and the pasture, having the young calves with their mothers, you know, having them eat their natural diet, having them stress-free is actually really, really important. And you're, you know, bang, you're bang on when you said you care more about animals than vegans. And and this is what we're about. We're all about looking after animals and making sure they're happy and they have a wonderful life and they're stress-free and they're eating their natural diet. And then we will eat them. And guess what? If we weren't eating them, they wouldn't be here anyway. Um, but this war on, yeah. on beef, like you're talking about, is depriving you of your main diet. There won't be anything else that will make you sick then. And actually, it's also going to kill the planet because one of the things that the, the, the world needs, I mean, the whole of the life, you know, biological life on this planet survives on this amount of topsoil, you know. So basically, that topsoil has to be organic matter. And where does that organic matter come from? It's from all these herds and cows and deer, whatever, pooping into the soil and putting nutrients back in. And if you deprive the soil of that, guess what? It, it dies. And that's why you're having to pump all these, you know, fertilizers in to compensate. So we're kind of like just messing up with the natural cycle of this planet by pushing these weird agendas. And I think that's what our liberal lefty wokey type of people need to understand and just stop watching the BBC and listening to the government and actually just wake up and smell the roses. Is that a bit harsh? No, it's not harsh enough. <laughs> I mean, we, I, I don't think we can go to. I don't think we can go too harshly on these bastards. And and you know, we we we've got to wake up. If if everybody just went no and didn't comply, didn't pay them any of their stupid taxes, didn't go eat any of their nasty processed food, they would have no control anymore. They it would all be over. You know that 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 meme that just said and 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 one day the people said no, the end. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's it, it's 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 time we got rid of them. It's it's time we got rid of them. They they are psychopaths up the top. I mean, we we go into in the in the in the food book, you know, in the red pill rev, food revolution about the rise of the psychopaths and how it, it it was only made possible really by the advent of crop farming, which made people pretend that they owned some part of the land. Mm. So that then they could get people to sort of uh, pay them, pay people to defend that part of the land. And they're no longer just living off nature. 
and then there's somebody at the top of that kind of pyramid. And, uh, you know, that this is this is an ideal situation for psychopaths. And it's gone on and on since then. There's not really any room for a, a psychopath in a hunter gatherer tribe. I mean, they all work together. They 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 take what they need from nature and, mm. and, and that's it. Somebody is 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 go, go does go a bit mad. They probably kind of get run out, or they get channeled into the energy to fight another tribe or something. But there's no kind of bosses there in the way that that they can control all the other people because nature provides what they need in the amounts that it's that it's best for the body and best for the environment. But once you get into crop farming, that was really the downturn in human history and the rise of the psychopath. And here they are. And what's happening now? Bill Gates is buying up all that land. He's the biggest mm. landowner in the States now. What's he going to do with that? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. You speculate what you like. But, you know, I very much doubt if he'll use it for grass-fed cattle. And if he does, he'll be eating them himself. I mean, yeah. Anthony said he's, he's, they're all going on about plant-based eating. I mean, obviously, Bill Gates, because he's got these massive dadderies and whatever, he obviously eats a load of soy and some crap. But... You know, Anthony was saying that he grew up in the same town as Bill Gates lived in, and he often used to see him in the local steakhouse. So he's, he's you know, wow. he's, he's pretty, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hypocritical and whatever. And you've just got to look at the menus at Davos. You know, they're all full of all this wild game and all this fatty meat, and then they're mm. telling us to eat Beyond Burgers and cricket. And, and if people can't see through this, it's amazing. I mean, all the conditioning has gone on. It started off with Disney, didn't it? You know, Bambi and, oh, who's killed Bambi? And, you know, these are not your friends. They're, 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 they're there to be taken care of and then to be slaughtered humanely and then eaten. Mm. They're not your friends. Vegans go, oh, animals are my friends. They're not my food. And I say, well, all right, you know, how many how many cows have you had to come around and watch a bit of Netflix, you know, smoke a spliff with and have a have a couple of cans of beer? How many cows? You got, got some mates who are cows? No, you haven't. And if we didn't eat them, they'd be trampling over your broccoli and you'd be sort of smacking them and shooting them in the end anyway, you know. It, it's all it's all nonsense. I mean, the things that they go on about, it's extraordinary. I saw some something with vegans going on about um how the Serengeti should have a fence across the middle of it to separate carnivorous animals from herbivorous animals so that eventually the carnivores will learn to eat leaves. Well, seriously. Oh, Lord. Eventually oh, the Lord. lions will learn to eat leaves. And stuff. I mean, how disconnected from nature can you be? That's insane. I mean, I told that to my missus. It comes from Tanzania. And she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's, it's absolutely not. Absolutely I've, barking. I've and been to there's Tanzania. A, there's a YouTuber called Vegan Games. There's a, there's a YouTuber called Vegan Games. He's hilarious to watch sometimes because his brain has gone so badly. And wow. he says that all carnivorous animals should be stamped out. But also he went a bit too far on his channel. And he was saying that, you know, that we are, well, there are too many on the planet, which there actually aren't, and we could easily feed everybody. There's too many on the planet. And I get so angry when I see people breeding. I just want to stamp on children in pushchairs until they're a bloody mess. And I mean, this is where the propaganda is going. This is where wow. the, this is how bad some of the vegan channels get with the propaganda that they're getting sucked into, that they want to stamp on children. I mean, that even got him into trouble. And it takes a lot to get a vegan channel in trouble these days. Carnivore channels can get shut down pretty quickly. 
But mm. vegan channels, because it's pushing the propaganda, but even they thought that was too much, and so they took his channel down. But, you know, when you see some of the extreme nature of the views that vegans can get, this is not mm. compassion in any way. Mm. You know, they tell me that the things they told me, I mean, I've had death threats. I hope you get your children taken away, you know, for feeding them meat. <laughs> oh it's my incredible God. the stuff that they say. And this is, oh my this God. is not their fault. This is, this is the fault of the elites that are pushing this crap on them because they know it's going to turn them into little mini psychopaths that they can control yes. and then aim at somebody else. And that's what's going on. 100%. So uh, do you know a guy called Ed Griffin? G. Edward Griffin. Yeah. He's about 90 or so. My son knows him, and and he's he's offered to get get him on, on my podcast. And I, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so down in the knowledge about all of the stuff that he had about the banking system, and I'm swatting up on the creature from <laughs> Jekyll Island and all of that, and I've invited a friend of mine who's a banker on to, to be able to talk to him intelligently. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I'm blown away that, that, that Tom knows him and, and, and maybe I can get him on. But, yeah, sorry, that was a side. side. But, yeah, I do know of him, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, my podcast with him came out on Monday, and um Amazing. he's 92. I'd love, love to hear that. Yeah. Cool. He's 92 and oh man, I wish I could meet him and hug him. I love that man. He just speaks in such a calm manner, so sensible. He talks to you like you're a five-year-old and he's your grandpa and he's just explaining to you what life's all about. Breaks it down really simple, not very emotional, just calm, very soothing. Um, he's got a little twinkle in his eye. He's 92 and he's sharp as anything. Sharper than a lot of younger vegans, tell you that. And um, he was just incredible. Yeah, I saw, I saw and, a film of him talking about, I'm going to have to check that podcast out, man, because, you know, I, I was I was kind of a little bit too much in awe to get him on you until <laughs> until I did a load of swatting up. So I'm going to have to hear how you did with him and learn some tricks. Well done. Brilliant. Oh, thank you. I was so much in awe. But off air, he said something to me that made me have goosebumps and, and brought tears to my eyes. He said probably the nicest compliment can ever say. He said, Ahmed, I have something called a crusader gene. Less than 1% of people have it. And it means that you will do whatever you can to help humanity and speak out the truth. No matter what personal cost, at what personal cost. He goes, Ahmed, I see that in you. And I was like, my god <laughs> my hero <laughs> you could say something nicer to me. and um he's such a lovely man and the reason why i'm talking about him because you're talking about psychopaths at one point you talked about the elites i don't like using that i call them the predators and the psychopaths they're not yeah. elites. there's nothing elite yeah. about them they're predators and they're psychopaths and you talked about um phil how you've got this one percent kind of like psychopath and then or sociopath. I don't know. I'm botching it up the other way around. And then you got 3% kind of sociopath. And then the rest are a bunch of narcissists who, you know, want the fame, the glory, the money, and they're hanging on to these evil people. And, and they, make, they make up 15%. And basically they're the army of dark. And he goes on the flip side, you've got like 1% people who are like leading and trying to explain to people the truth and they're the thought leaders or whatever. You've got 3% behind them who are the influencers and helpers. And then you've got another kind of 11% making up 15% who will back and support 
sometimes even physically or with their life, you know, that, that one, three percent. And they're, they are the army of light. So you got 30% on one side, 30% on the other side. And then the middle, sorry, 15% on one side, 15%. So that's 30%. And then the middle, you got 70% of people are just like, either don't know what's going on or they're saying, right, which side is winning? And we'll go to that side. <laughs> they're that, that selfish. They're like, they don't care if it's the army of dark. You know, if they look like they're winning, they'll, they'll jump ship that way. And, and he goes, you don't need to convert everyone. You don't need to change everyone. You just need that 15%. You need to find your supporters. You need to find your tribe. You need to find that army of light. And if you're strong, committed, and dedicated, you will win. And he goes, it will happen. And I have faith. And it might not happen overnight. It might take 10 years. It might take 10, 20 years. But you know what? This empire is dying. These predators are desperate and they can flail around and they might take a lot of people down with them, but they will go down that I believe because it's out now they're out of the shadows. They're not in the shadows anymore. And people like you and my, myself and other people, so many other people that you've mentioned, you know, we are telling people out there what's happening. And there's people listening to this podcast who are running, who are driving, who are on their commute I can tell you right now, there've been several people punching fists in the air and going, you damn right. <laughs> Absolutely. Because they're, t- they're all tired of the bullshit. They can see and hear it right in front of them. And they, they're fed up being fed the lies. And they were made to feel like they were the only person in the village who thought that way. And now they're realizing, oh, no, 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 no. Actually, there's a whole army of us and we are having enough of this nonsense. That's my take. <laughs> on the sociopaths and the psychopaths. I don't know what you, you think of that. Yeah. No, it's it's my take too. I think they're probably panicking now. I think there's a load of things that are very dangerous that to them that are that they're trying they're making a load of mistakes. They're trying to bring too many things out. I'm disappointed they haven't gone for the alien invasion yet, but you know, they're kind of leading up to it by um admitting that they've found these bodies of, of aliens. But now I think Actually, that's probably bullshit as well. If they're bringing that out, then it's bullshit. So it was just another layer of the bullshit. They're probably just military planes anyway, most of these things that are way beyond our technology. They've got things that that, that we don't know about as a massive rabbit hole. But, yeah, I absolutely – I think that um, this this thing is coming to, to an end. I think we're winning. I think we've probably already won, and it's just the struggles of the dying beast. Um you know, I've got to give a shout out to Darren Nesbitt, who is the Daz of the Daz band that I play in. He's not just a great songwriter and musician and uh, doing his tour, but he also runs the Light Paper. He's the mm. founder and the editor of the Light Paper in, I get that. in, in England. And, you know, well, yeah, he, he's great. Well, ben, ben writes a column for it as well. This is all very incestuous, you know. Ben writes a beautiful yeah. column for it every every month after I seriously upset Vernon Coleman and he stormed off and uh, wouldn't have anything to do with the light paper anymore because I upset him about vegetarianism. Um, yeah, and there, there was uh, th- th- there's so many people that I've met through this. What What is wonderful about these last three years is just it's people have, have shown their true colours. And mm. I'm so surprised that some of my friends have gone one way or the other, ones that I wouldn't have thought. I mean, I was... I was part of um, the whole sort of peace convoy thing. I was living in buses and teepees back in the early 80s and living at the mm. free festivals and whatever. And these were all people, yay, you know, fuck the man and let's freedom <laughs> and whatever. 
I'm amazed how many of those people have gone and put muscles on and got jabbed. I'm like, what happened? What happened to you? You know, where did this all go? And of course, being part of the music business, so disappointing. You know, the Foo Fighters, you know, I mean, they're called the Foo Fighters now, aren't they? Because they're pushing the jabs. And, and you know, Dave Grohl and all of that and, and Rage Against the Machine. You remember that track? Fuck you. I won't do what you tell me. And now yeah. they're like Rage for the Machine. And yeah. just all of these, all of these musicians who are, I think, pretty much the same kind of um, useful idiots and maybe even MK Ultra, but that's another yes. whole rabbit hole. But, you know, they, they are, they, they, they have been put in place there and they've got to, you, you don't make it in the music business without really bowing to the man and going along with the mainstream in a lot of respects. Mm. Hollywood, politics, pharma companies, big food companies, the whole lot's all tied in. And people mm. look at you like you're mad when you when you say it, but this is it's part of the whole system, and it's been put in place forever by. And I won't use the elites anymore because you're quite right; they are the predator class. <laughs> but um, you know, there's only a few of them. There's only a few of them. There's a hell of a lot of us. Like you know that song that Darren wrote that went round all the freedom festivals, and that we we actually got a number one with a couple of Christmases ago. We are the ninety nine percent, and uh, and they're done. You can shove your new world order up your ass. <laughs> Absolutely. Freaking lutely. Um yeah, it's all tied in and, and I think people will wake up to it, my friend. They really will. Right, listen, I've I've taken up so much of your time. I do want to ask you one very, very important question. So imagine you're a hundred and sixty. <laughs> You lived a very long, healthy, carnivore life. You just finished a massive tomahawk steak and your makers come to you and said, right, mate, it's time to go. Get on your deathbed. And you're surrounded by your family and all your children, great-grandchildren, all very beefed-up carnivores. And what, what advice would you give them, health or otherwise, before you pass on? I think I, think I, would, I would just say... We are not the body. We're so much beyond that. So whatever happens to the body and whatever happens here, just don't panic. Don't panic about anything. It's going to be okay in the end. You know, our consciousness goes so far beyond the bodies that we, we walk around in, these meat suits, having this adventure down here. <laughs> and we just, need to, we, we, we just need to connect with that. And and once you do, you can't really take anything massively seriously ever again. I can't. You know, I'm 61. I never grew up. And, and I can't take it seriously. And if I do find myself taking something seriously and freaking out, I just sit down and slap myself and, and, and chill out and just realize that nothing is that important to freak out about. So... You know, yeah. a lot of people, even on the woke upside, they get black pilled. They go down all these rabbit holes. They get really freaked out. This is going to happen. Five G is going to kill me. This is going <laughs> to kill me. That's going to kill me. You know, it 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 doesn't it doesn't matter. Mm. You know, the zombie apocalypse is coming. You know, my neighbor's going to eat my brains. It just chill out, enjoy it. Because you know, it's 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 the present moment. It's the present moment. What is wrong right now? Very seldom is anything wrong right now. We're in fight or flight most of the time, worried about mortgages, worried about this, that, whatever we're worried about. 
we we are designed to be worried when an animal chases us or when we're chasing an animal and we get a bit of adrenaline. This fight or flight, you know, it's supposed to be in very short bursts. If it's chronic, mm. it's really unhealthy and it will be worse mm. for you than a vegan diet. So just chill out, understand what is wrong in this present moment right now. Be here now. That's it. Mate, that is, I'm not just saying that, that's one of the top, top 10 answers I've had. And, I, and you know, I've, I've done about 75 podcasts, so bravo. I like that. I, re- I really like that yeah. answer, mate. You, you smashed it, smashed it. Um, very quickly, I just want to... You know, I mean it. You really smashed it. Um, you know, I just suddenly remembered something. You were talking about the rock stars and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, God damn it. It's this inverted world. You know, I read this book, 180 Degrees, and um, I had Fergus Greenwood, who's the author on my podcast, and he was talking about just everything's upside down. It's deliberate. I remember the time when you had rebel rock bands and rebel rock stars, and yeah, they'd stick it to the man. <laughs> Where the hell has that gone? And and the CND, you know, I grew up in the 80s, the peaceniks, the lefties, you know, and now they're all Slava Ukraine. Let's give Ukraine weapons. And it's the left push. I'm like, what? What's going on here? It's just, it's gone so mental. A, wait, tell me, I'll tell you where it's gone. It's the Daz Band. And we just, we just played London last Saturday. And it's a shame. I should have. I should have thought to let you know about it. We're playing Newport tomorrow. We're playing. We're all over. Go to Dazband. D A Z B A N D dot com. Check out our um, our tour dates. They're all around the country. And come along and see us. That that is no fucking about proper rebellious music. There's lots of nonsense in there. You know. I love it. I love it. And yeah, come it. along. Come along and join. You know, for the diet stuff and all the ancestral stuff. Thebigfatchallenge.com. Come and join us. Loads of stuff in there. See our books at theredpillrevolution.com. Loads of stuff. You know that it's, it's all working out there. But for the music side of things, I mean, Daz is so is so dynamic. He's putting on um, a festival next year in the Lakes with just awakened musicians and uh, and speakers and all kinds and. You know, it's all happening. It's all coming up. There's, uh, you need to get rid of all the mainstream music, all that kind of crap. If they've been, if they've been, um, uh, you know, mm-hmm. pushing the jabs and pushing all the lockdowns and stuff, just, just step away from them, and maybe they'll learn and maybe they'll come round. But the whole thing's been incredibly disappointing. The medical system, yeah. everything, and and I'm just so honoured to know all these people, these amazing people like you, and all these other people who are fighting for it, and. You know, let just just get onto our stuff, and um, you know, let's let let's help and let's support each other in in not freaking out during this the the last days of the empire, right? Yeah, I have to say, I really admire how good you are at plugging things. I need to learn that. I need to say Doc Malik podcast. Listen to Doc Malik, big fat challenge. <laughs> it's like in my head now, big fat challenge. So, um, very important. You send me all I'm the pr- links that you've honestly, just honestly. I'm pr- I've had to just I've, I've had to just think about it recently of like I go through a whole podcast and never mention it and then people go you know Daz goes did you mention the band oh shit forgot you know Ben will say did you did you mention the channel uh, uh, no no I forgot so now I go listen I've got to do that because I tell you what we get so many great people from these podcasts because I love the Awaken podcast because then we get the Awaken people onto the challenge you can t- you know teach them all about the health and the ancestral stuff and I, I I just I just have to remember now, otherwise I think ah, that's a wasted opportunity. I had a fantastic no, no. chat. I really enjoyed it. it was so 
I've forgot it you, all, but yeah, yeah. Well, let's get, get well, I, I can I, I can tell you you did a great job. You more than compensated and I'm very proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> Do me a favor and send me all your links and I'll put it on the website and so everyone can see um where they can find you, your band, your big fat challenge. See? <laughs> and everything else. Um and I'd love I'd love to have you back face to face in my studio at some point in the next year. That'd be great. That'd be lovely. Listen, thank you so much. That'd be lovely. Everyone, I feel like the need to plug myself now. Everyone subscribe to the Doc Malik Honest Elf podcast and subscribe and support me because uh yeah, this is, yeah, this is don't my get need. It, don't get it all for free. Don't get it all for free. So hit that donate button under there as well, you know. We plug away when we do this. Donate some stuff, you freeloaders. <laughs> As, yeah, you know, it's really funny. Like, I, I keep thinking I'm going to end now, and I just keep chatting to you. The thing is, people have given me advice, and um, they say, oh, you know what? You should do, like, half your podcast free, half of it behind a paywall. You should have a paid substack. And I go, no, guys, that goes against the whole point of the podcast. The podcast was never meant to be a job for me or making money. The point of the podcast was to spread the knowledge, spread the love, and not everyone can afford it. And I don't want to deprive anyone. I'd rather give it for free than not. But the flip side is I do need to pay my bills. Otherwise, I'm going to kick that my house and I can't look after my young family. But I'm hoping over time, enough people listening will be like, oh, God, you know what? This guy, Ahmed Malik, he's a top bloke. I'm going to I'm going to support him. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Because you know what? At the end of the day, I have faith in humanity. Call me naive or an idiot, but I do. I have faith in humanity. And I'm hoping enough people press that subscribe, paid subscribe button or buy me a coffee and it's fine. Or if there's anyone who wants to sponsor my show, you can sponsor my show because I'm cool. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you, Phil. I really enjoyed this, by the way. 